The West, of which I speak, is but another name for the wild. And what I have been preparing to say is that in wildness is the preservation of the world. Every tree sends its fibers forth in search of the wild. The cities import it at any price. Men plow and sail for it. From the forest and wilderness come the tonics and barks which brace mankind. Hello, wildlings. Henry David Thoreau's essay, Walking, holds many memorable phrases. None more inspiring than the often quoted passage that Jim Mellon read to start today's show. As a teenager, I visited Walden Pond. At the site where Thoreau's cabin once stood, these words appear on a signboard. I went to the woods because I wished to live deliberately, to front only the essential facts of life, and see if I could not learn what it had to teach, and not, when I came to die, discover that I had not lived. I wrote those words down and put them into my wallet. They continue to guide me even today. I'm Phil Huff, long-distance hiker and wilderness advocate. And today on Your Wild Place, we will learn a bit more about Henry David Thoreau. First, I asked Justine Murray about what Thoreau meant to her. Why does Thoreau inspire me, you ask? Well, let me tell you. Did you know he was the first American to define and use civil disobedience as a means of protest? He began the tradition of nonviolent protests here in the United States. Be sure to read his essay, Civil Disobedience, to learn more about how this became a part of his life. I'm also inspired by Thoreau because he encourages us that we have a responsibility to respect and care for nature rather than destroying it, to live a meaningful life in nature. I believe in the busyness of today's world, it is more important than ever to immerse yourself in nature and to fight to save the wild places so we can share with future generations. We need the tonic of wilderness at the same time that we are earnest to explore and learn all things. We require that all things be mysterious and unexplorable, that land and sea be indefinitely wild, unsurveyed, unfathomed by us because unfathomable. We can never have enough of nature. Henry David Thoreau. Long before he wrote about his life at Walden, Thoreau began writing about nature. Among his first writings is one of his most enduring, his essay, Walking. Walking began as a lecture at the Concord Lyceum in April 1851. It was eventually published in the Atlantic Monthly in June 1862, a month after Thoreau's death. Thoreau himself would say, Walking laid the foundation for all that he wrote after it, including Walden. Today, we are going to hear the first few passages from Walking, as read by Jim Mellon. I wish to speak a word for nature, for absolute freedom and wildness, as contrasted with a freedom and culture merely civil, to regard man as an inhabitant, or part and parcel of nature rather than a member of society. I wish to make an extreme statement and if so, make an emphatic one, for there are enough champions of civilization. The minister and the school committee and every one of you will take care of that. 
I've met with but one or two persons in the course of my life who understand the art of walking, that is, of taking walks, who had a genius, so to speak, for sauntering, which word is beautifully derived from idle people who roved about the country in the Middle Ages and asked for charity under the pretense of going a la Saint-Terre to the Holy Land, till the children exclaimed, There goes a Saint-Terreur, a Saunterer, a Holy Lander. They who never go to the Holy Land in their walks, as they pretend, are indeed mere idlers and vagabonds. But those who do go there are saunterers in the good sense, such as I mean. Some, however, would derive the word from sans terre, without land or a home, which therefore, in the good sense, I will mean, having no particular home, but equally at home everywhere. For this is the secret of successful sauntering. He who sits still in a house all the time may be the greatest vagrant of all, but the saunterer, in the good sense, is no more vagrant than the meandering river, which is all the while sedulously seeking the shortest course to the sea. But I prefer the first, which indeed is the most probable derivation. For every walk is a sort of crusade preached by some Peter the Hermit in us to go forth and reconquer this holy land from the hands of the infidel. It is true we are but faint-hearted crusaders, even the walkers nowadays who undertake no persevering, never-ending enterprises. Our expeditions are but tours, and come around again at evening to the old hearthside from which we set out. Half the walk is but retracing our steps. We should go forth on the shortest walk, perchance, in the spirit of undying adventure, never to return, prepared to send back our embalmed hearts only as relics to our desolate kingdoms. If you are ready to leave father and mother, brother and sister, and wife and child and friends and never see them again, if you have paid your debts and made your will and settled all your affairs and are a free man, then you are ready for a walk. To come down to my own experience, my companion and I, for sometimes I have a companion, take pleasure in fancying ourselves knights of a new, or rather an old order, not equestrians, not chevaliers, not ridders or riders, but walkers, a still more ancient and honorable class, I trust. The chivalric and heroic spirit which once belonged to the rider seems now to reside in, or perchance to have subsided, into the walker, not the knight, but walker errant. He is a sort of fourth estate outside the church and state and people. We have felt that we almost alone hereabouts practice this noble art, though, to tell the truth, at least if their own assertions are to be received, most of my townsmen would fain walk sometimes as I do, but cannot. No wealth can buy requisite leisure, freedom, and independence, which are the capital in this profession. It comes only by the grace of God. It requires a direct dispensation from heaven to become a walker. You must be born into the family of walkers. Ambulateur, nescateur, non-fit. Some of my townsmen, it is true, can remember and have described to me some walks which they took ten years ago in which they were so blessed as to lose themselves for half an hour in the woods. But I know very well that they have confined themselves to the highway ever since whatever pretensions they may make to belong to this select class. 
No doubt they were elevated for a moment, as by the reminiscence of a previous state of existence, when even they were foresters or outlaws. I think I cannot preserve my health and spirits unless I spend four hours a day at least, and it is commonly more than that, sauntering through the woods and over fields and hills absolutely free from all worldly engagements. You may safely say a penny for your thoughts or a thousand pounds, when sometimes I am reminded that the mechanics and shopkeepers stay in their shops not only all forenoon, but all afternoon too, sitting with crossed legs, so many of them, as if legs were made to sit on and not stand or walk upon. I think that they deserve some credit for not having all committed suicide long ago. Thanks for listening to this episode of Your Wild Place, presented by Friends of Scotchman Peaks Wilderness. For more information about the Friends, visit our website at scotchmanpeaks.org. This episode featured Jim Mellon as the voice of Henry David Thoreau, reading an excerpt from his essay, Walking. You can also visit Your Wild Place's homepage for a link to the full text of Walking. The original manuscript of Walking can be found in the Concord, Massachusetts Free Library, where it has been housed since 1873. This episode is also sponsored by and features Justine Murray from Le Chic Boutique. It was edited by Henry Jordan. Your Wild Place's original theme music was written and performed by Ben Olson and Katie Archer. If you'd like to be featured on Your Wild Place, let us know by emailing us at info at scotchmanpeaks.org. Never miss an episode by subscribing to Your Wild Place wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find all sorts of unique gifts, clothing, cards, jewelry, tableware, and much, much more inside of La Chic Boutique. We strive to create a welcoming atmosphere by supporting independent artists and carefully choosing products to carry that are unique to the area and one of a kind to you. Located at 107 Main Street, Sandpoint, Idaho.